You're listening to the King of the Fourth podcast, offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics with your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. All right, Mike, Celtics coming off two wins. We're finally doing a podcast where they're coming off victories here late on a Sunday night. Big win today, I guess, when you're talking about the standings with the Charlotte Hornets. I, I think a loss probably um, would have been devastating for this team on, um, you know, just how things have gone over the last week, um, with the exception of that Houston game. You know, saw some real positive things. There there are some positive trends since the All-Star break on the offensive side. Defensive side, there's still a lot to be hashed out. But the ball is moving. You can see where the offensive talent is there with this team. You know, you still have, um, I think Tatum has played much, much better since the All-Star break. His three-point shooting numbers are way up. Um, it feels like he's finally getting beyond the COVID wall that he hit. Um, Jalen Brown continues to be, he's been pretty consistent in the second half offensively. And even Kemba, if you if you can somehow not look at his contract and just look at him and the player, and I know that's kind of impossible to do, he's been more than serviceable for the most part offensively. And then Fournier these last couple of nights, the big thing is there just seems to be trust. And the, and the key to all of this seems like the insertion of Brad Williams at that starting five and giving him more minutes, you know, just – you know, that vertical space and that he gives them, the passing he gives them out of that position. Um, interesting to get your take on comps for him with it around the league. Um, I have one that, you know, I'd like to throw at you in a little while, but, you know, good win, um, 50 games in. They're what this record is, as Bill Parcells would say, 25 and 25 average. Um, let's see what they can do in these next 22. Uh, I think it's important to get that four or five seed if they want to do anything in these playoffs. Yeah, I think what Mike takeaways from this week is offensively, if they continue to trust each other and they move the ball quickly, um, they're going to have a lot of open looks because Fournier brings them um, somebody obviously who can score the ball, but he's good at moving the ball. He's got a nice rapport with Jalen Brown and Rob Williams already. Um, it looks like Jalen Brown's looking to pass it to Fournier all the time. Um, at least that's what I've noticed. He's really, you know, he's trying to see if he can get drive to the hoop and kick it out to him. So they've got something going on already. And then he's in Fournier, just a log game to Rob. It's a nice extra piece they have coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a talented, talented offensive player, obviously streaky. Something we learned early about Fournier. It yeah. seems like he's a streaky player. Yeah. Um, the, my other takeaways are just that Rob, I think, is becoming, I don't want to say the most important player on the team, but these last couple of weeks, it seems that way. I feel like he he's somewhat of a point guard on the offensive end. When we slow the ball down and we go into our sets, but the Celtics have a nice flow going with moving the ball around. And then on the defensive end, um, he's causing a lot of havoc. Um, there seems to be more balls being deflected, um, more steals for the Celtics, more fast break opportunities since he's been inserted into the starting lineup. And then my third takeaway is Brad's rotations. I think um, they get easier now. I think over the last couple, the last two weeks since the yeah. trade deadline, um, they I like the rotations, I, even the way he's using Cornette. Um, to come in there with as an offensive spark. Yeah. 
to, to spread the floor has been a nice little jolt to the team. Uh, they're still inconsistent. You can't ignore the Pelicans and the um, Mavericks games from this week. Defensively, I mean, they're still very inconsistent. Effort can be an issue. And then if Marcus Mark can accept this role that he's had the last two games, where, yeah, but the facilitation from Smart has been so quick. Yeah. The ball's leaving his hands to get to somebody in a good spot, especially in the offense. There's players where he's catching it under the basket and then hitting the guy on the wing right away. I mean, Grant Williams got a couple of those open looks against Houston that came right from Smart. It was past the Smart, and we're talking a second. It just left his hands. Um, the best passer on the team. When he, Yeah, but it, I think, um, you know, at halftime today, he took four shots and had six points. And I was just thinking to myself, that's a great stat line. And he was, at the beginning of the game, they didn't have him on Terry Rosier, but he eventually took over yep. for Rosier and shut him down. Um, and now they got a new piece, too, that I think we should talk about tonight. It's a big if if this kid can stay healthy, but uh, we saw in the defensive end that the Celtics might have another ball stopper in Romeo Langford, um, who, in my estimate, just looking at how athletic he is, has the ability, I think, to be a better defender than Smart when it's all set and done, just with his raw ability. Uh, he yeah, just I, 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 Maybe because Smart has lost a little bit athletically as he's getting older, but... Um, Romeo's got more more length than Smart uh, I don't know. Marcus is huge. I, I, that's close. Marcus is huge, um, and he has, he has quite a bit of length, and he was a phenomenal athlete coming out of college. And onto the Celtics, and he he had the quickness that when he came into this league to cover one through four, the quickness and strength for you know the first five years of his career, um, pretty consistently. This is the first year where I think he's really struggled, um, staying with guards, um, staying with quick guards, and, and being able to move his feet. I, I think if you put Marcus on a wing, or even a you know two through four for the most part, I think he's fine. Um, and, and so I wonder, are we seeing an evolution of maybe him getting healthier? Is that a sign of tonight where they, cause you're right. They, st- the Hornets started the game with, um, you know, Kemba was on Terry or Rosaire and they were just killing that with switches. So yes. they were either trying to get, uh, Kemba out on the post or they were trying to get Rosaire into penetration on Kemba. Um, so they were just killing that matchup with switches. As soon as they made that switch to Marcus Smart and, and, I don't even remember who Kemba went out on, but I think it was just someone whose job for the most part was to hang out at the, in the corner. Um, it, you know, that was interesting to me. I wasn't sure when they made that switch, honestly, whether Marcus was going to be able to stay in front of Terry Rosier. And, and, he, and he passed it with flying colors. I mean, Rosier came out of the gate, I think, four for four. The the. It was an odd factor. At yeah, the Hornets hit four three-pointers in that first quarter, and going into the third, late into the third, they were still stuck at around four or five or six. So it it, it made a huge impact on the rest of the game. And if they can, if the Celtics can unlock that, and he, I don't expect Marcus to be what he was, but if he can be close to that on guards, uh, especially penetrating guards, that's going to make a big difference. Now, you don't see that the next two nights. Um those quick penetrating guards, you know, Ben Simmons is obviously huge and quick, but he's not that um, quick, shifty kind of guy. That Milton, Milton is. And, um, and then the Knicks, you know, it's it's Derek Rose and um, 
quickly. Yeah, so I, I like those guys. You, you're not concerned with them really killing you with that type of quickness and, and, and um, the ability to get to the hoop and things like that. But, you know, Terry Rosier certainly is that guy. And I thought they – tonight was encouraging. I, I just thought from that aspect, tonight was encouraging. Uh, the Romeo stuff, yeah, you know, um, I'd love to get more of your thoughts. But I, I think I told you yesterday over the phone, texting um, – I, I, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on Romeo. Uh, you know, before we well, how could you after you watch him play defense night? Well, even, even before that, you know, he was a highly recruited guy out of high school. He was like a top three recruit in the country. He was a lot of a lot of the similar like, you know, background story to Rob. Had the injury, fell in the draft. Um, you know, he was seen as a, a big time scorer coming out of high school. Um, Mr. Indiana, all Indiana, and. You know, he's had some really bad luck with injuries. And maybe that's him. Some guys, that's just who you are. But if they can get him right, and you saw flashes of that tonight, you know, off the dribble, top of the key, three-pointer, you know, staying in front of guys, being able to just, um, you know, straight up elevate on the block, you know, the rule of verticality. He just beat his man. It, it wasn't like he ran to do it. It was just... He blocked, he blocked one of the best dunkers in the NBA. Yeah, so it was... Those things to me are, are interesting. Um, I, I try not to get too excited because, you know, you, you wait for the injury report to the next game and you hear that he, you know, hurt his knee or something, you know. And so, but if he could ever get going, I, I think there's something there. And I don't think it's just defense with him. I, and maybe that's, maybe it's just defense this season, but I think going forward, there's more. That's, I think yeah. there's more of that. He's a big, strong kid. Big, strong, quick kid. I agree. I mean, I agree with both statements. And if it was just defense this season, I, I don't think the team needs much more from him. No. Outside yeah. of that. No, that's know? what they – they've been we, – we've said this since November or whenever they started the season this year, that it was – they didn't have a wing off the bench that can defend. They just they, – they haven't had one all year. They tried it with Javante. He was, you know, was hot and cold. Um, Neesmith hustles like hell, but he's really not a good defender. Um, Romeo, Romeo can defend. He, he's a good individual defender. Where he struggled last year was a lot of the team concepts. Uh, he's a, yeah, more into the system. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the practice times. But there's a lot of guys on this team that are struggling with team concepts. They need a good individual defender right now, too. And I, I, I think... You know, if he can give them that and he can give them 10 to 15 minutes or even less of strong yeah. defense and some somewhat consistent offense, that's a big boost. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. So um, two game winning streak and a, and a big week coming up that includes the Knicks. Um, they're in that eight to five range. I think they're 500 with you right now in the eighth seed. Um so I, they were talking a little bit on the broadcast with this back-to-back coming up with Philly and New York. Um, do you think it's possible that Brad will sit Kemper in the front end of that and playing against the Knicks, um, thinking more this is a a seeding game where the Philly game isn't a seeding game? I, I don't think that will happen. I understand the thinking on it. Um, if I was a coach, it would be something I think long and hard. But I think at the end of the day right now, what's most important is these guys playing good basketball consistently. And um, you just came off a good game. Um, I think it's, you know, 
it's more important to get the next game, but I, I do think it's important to play very well on Tuesday night. That they that they move the ball. This is a, the best defensive team in the league. The Sixers, for, for the most part, yep. um, they're long. They give people problems. I want to see them move the ball. You know, even if they lose, I want stuff on film for the Celtics to take a look at and say, okay, we lost, but we missed shots. We missed good looks. You know, if we get get these guys in a series, we can we can be successful against them. Um, I, I just. But on the flip side, I understand the rationale. You know, you got three games. You're already down 0-1 to the Knicks. You lose this next one, you lose the tiebreaker. You do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and big spot for all this week, too. Um, he's got Carl Anthony Towns coming up. He's got Joel Embiid coming up. Um, and Joel Embiid, I mean, has had <laughs> Rob's number in the stints that Rob's had his opportunities against him. So, um, uh, this is Rob, Rob. It's, it's his team now, so he's going to be matched up against the best center in the NBA on Tuesday yeah, night. I guess with Embiid, just get in line with Rob. I, I don't know whose number does Embiid not have at this point. <laughs> he, he, he's just he's that good. Um, I think the best they can really hope to do with Rob is just try to run Embiid to death. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, on a, on every opportunity, and um, play that rule of vert attackality game with him you know, get that vertical spacing. Uh, you know, Rob's been fantastic. You know, his, his line the other night where he's perfect from the field and had nine rebounds, nine assists, whatever he had for blocks. Tonight again, you, it, you know, his passing has been so smart. You know, when he gets the ball off or offensive rebound, which he's a much better offensive rebound than I, I, I even knew that he was. Um, but he's either going right up with it or he's firing a pass to a guy that puts him in a position to score almost immediately. Um, he, it's just, he's been the funnest part of this to watch. And I've been trying like in my head, like who does, like who does he compare to in the league right now? And the guy uh-huh. I keep coming back to because of the way the passing, you know, he's got a, he's working on that mid range jumper. It's getting a little better. Um, the verticality, the, 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 you know, kind of the imposing athletic defender. And I, I just, he's not as good. And I'm not saying he's him, but I just keep thinking, bam. I, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's a comp that probably makes the most sense. Yeah, it's just like a unique skill set that causes teams problem because you don't practice against it. Mm-hmm. You don't see it. You don't see like there's no, Rob Williams and Bam Adebayo's don't exist in the league right now, and, and so when you go up against it, it's almost like a shock to your system, you know. And you can't defend the role against the Celtics with one big like you can against okay. a lot of guys in this league. You you get killed, and especially when they have their skilled guys out there. And right, you 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 surround him with four shooters. It's a nightmare. That's what they've been doing. Yeah, it's a nightmare. And yeah. He's going to get a lot of offensive rebounds. And he's going to get a lot of dunks. And his passing is made for that. And he, he's getting better defensively. It's just it's a, it's a lot of – and he's going to have his issues with different bigs. Jokic is going to give him problems. And Embiid's going to give him problems. But those guys give everyone problems. Yeah. Um, it's just – I, I – I, I remember we talked about him at the beginning of the year and we said, is this him just not getting the time or is this just him, you know, 
not being mature enough to figure this out. It's clearly he needed the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's clear he needed the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I I wonder. I wonder how far this goes. I wonder how good he gets. Um, I am against paying big men. I am a hundred percent paying big men. In a couple of years, if you know, and this is we got some time to think about this, but you know, he'll be that restricted free agent. You know, what is he worth? You know, it's really interesting. It's it's yeah. really interesting. Well, if he keeps this up, he's gonna get paid a lot of money. Yeah. 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 You know. You know, um, and he's um you know, Tristan Thompson cannot come back and start. No, uh, he's it's like, not gonna happen. No, he's uh, I'm wondering if he's battling minutes with Cornette right now to be although I didn't think much of Cornette tonight. Um he won't be bad. Cornette's gonna. He's not gonna. He's gonna play over Cornette. Cornette's the, can't defend anybody. No, no. And he's if he's not hitting shots, then what's the point? Yeah. Uh, and it's. Uh, I think it's. If there's one reason to tune in right now to the Celtics, with the exception that they're finally playing somewhat better basketball, um, it's it's Rob Williams, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Rob's Rob's been awesome. Uh, one of the best centers in the league since he started getting starter minutes. So, like I said earlier, I think he's he's the difference maker on both ends. Uh, you know, this week, especially these last two games. So let's see that continue into next week where we got, you know, two big games and obviously the big game with the Knicks. Um, for me, these are must-wins. We're at that point of the season now. Uh, tonight was a must-win for the Celtics, and I think Tuesday and Wednesday, um, you got to take that game against the Knicks. That's a must-win on Wednesday. Yeah, Tuesday is a must-play. Well, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it's a. I don't know. If and then you can't you can't end this home home stand with a stinker. No, uh, we have to. You know, one thing that I've noticed with the Celtics and everybody they're competing against: Miami, Charlotte, New York, all those teams that we're bunched up with. The difference is those teams beat the bad teams. Yeah. That's why that's why they're in it. Um, the Celtics have beat some good teams this year. That's why they're in it. The Celtics haven't cleaned up against the bad teams. Lost no, two we, out of three to Detroit, lost both games against Sacramento, lost the game to New York, lost the game to Cleveland. Um, it, now the well, Celtics have to start cleaning that up and, and, and piling together some victories. Well, to be honest, I think um... – when games were missed from COVID and the lack of depth that was on this team earlier in the year, there were moments where the Celtics took the floor and they were the bad team. Okay, yeah, that's you know, that's. But since the All Star break, they have lost to the Pelicans. They've lost to Cleveland, um, and they've been at near full strength in those games. It's there aren't any excuses anymore. They have to start winning these games. Yeah, I don't think the Pelicans are a bad basketball team. Uh, Cleveland is. I don't. I don't think the Pelicans. They're are. they're eight games on the five hundred, and they lost to Sacramento since the All Star break too. Yeah, I, I I get that. I think they're a young, talented team, and Zion's figuring themselves out. I, I think that's. Yeah, I, I, they should have beat them, um, but Cleveland is certainly a bad basketball team. Uh, was it Cleveland? That was the game Tatum was out, wasn't it? No, Memphis was. Memphis was a game Tatum and so yeah, and that's the one they they lost. Yeah, the they Cleveland lost game, overtime. Yeah, the Cleveland game is just a no excuse game. Yeah, it hasn't been perfect. There's been this team 
they've lost more games to COVID than any other team in the league right now. You know, <laughs> they weren't built to win and sustain any type of uh, injury lost. I, I think Jason Tatum was affected by COVID up until recently. If I mean, the numbers just don't make sense. And, this, and the, all of a sudden, you know, we're accusing him of not caring, lack of effort. When have we ever said that before? You know, and so like, I, I just, did he just not have his sea legs? You know, was he, he's shots that he typically hit were just didn't have a chance. You know, he was every statistical category still good, but was a drop off from, you know, last year. And since the all-star break, you're starting to see improvement in that. I, um, you know, I don't know what this team is. Like, I guess what I'm getting at is this a team that has lost a lot of guys and, you know, are getting some guys back right now and starting to get full strength and starting to get to know each other. I think that, I think at full strength with adding Fournier, this is an extremely talented team offensively that if they're moving the ball, I don't know how you beat them. Well, now, I mean, there's, there's more talented teams in the league that are going to beat them, but I'm saying yeah. this team should start winning a lot of games because offensively they're going to have a ton of open looks going forward. Are they You've seen it the last couple of nights. Are they closer to the team that made the Eastern Conference Finals? Last year, are they closer to the team that we've seen all of this year? And if that's what I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think if they're locked in and they're moving the ball and they can get over whatever's going on mentally with them, then they're closer to the team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year because Evan Fournier, I, I, and I, I just think he, he brings a piece of consistency where he doesn't look like a guy who's going to get injured. I guess I can't get there yet, Mike. I like what I see right now a lot. I like how the ball movement, I can see where it can get there. I can't get there to say they're closer to that team until I see them pull out a fourth quarter and a, and a close game. I'll pull out a comeback, you know, mm-hmm. finish a comeback. They they have just not finished. And I, I think that's been a really a huge theme for this team all year where they they're not finishing comebacks. They don't finish offensive possessions. They don't finish defensive possessions. They they seem to do one have four guys going, and the fifth guy is the one that the offense finds and, and is able to abuse. I, I just I need to see you know against the Sixers or against the Knicks a tight game in the fourth, and they're the ones making the plays and making the shots. Um, they just that mental toughness is just not really. Shown up. That's the hurdle. I guess. You know, that's what's that's the yeah. hurdle on this team. They're not mentally into it all the time. And, and Brad alluded to it after the Dallas loss. Um, he, he made a comment about how we're just, it would be nice if we could be locked in for 48 minutes and not just for like 12 minutes. Um, and he started making comments about for, former players, about how great Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley were a coach, um, and how happy he was for Isaiah Thomas to get the 10 day contract. Uh, he he was he was basically calling the entire team out, and I think he's right. I think there's excuses about the lack of talent this year and, and the COVID that that has hit them. But I also think they haven't tried their hardest every game. And matter of fact, there's been long stretches where it's been frustrating to watch because they're not trying. Um, and I'm not saying it's Jason Tatum. I'm saying as a unit, they're dogging it on defense. 
I, I thought that happened. So I, I thought in the Mavericks game in the first half, you know, it was frustrating. With Donkic, Luka Doncic was the shots he was making was were unbelievable, and and I understand that's deflating to the team. But I I was watching. I'm like, okay, you're giving up some of these corner threes to the other guys. I get it because you're trying to track Don, Doncic, and he's still making the shots, and you're moving the ball pretty well offensively, and you're missing your shots. That shit happens. As bad as the season is, and you want it to flip, it happens. But this, to start the third quarter, they let it get to them. And I, I think that's what Brad was alluded to. Mm-hmm. And, and you saw that carry over um, almost, to the early, almost to the entire fourth until they had that just um, incredible run to get within two. You know, I think it was like 15 and out and run within two and a half minutes. Yep. Uh, but it, it, if they just, to your point, if they just played – um, within the system offensively and were mentally locked in and continue to do the things they did in the first quarter. And if they, you know, dug in defensively, is that a couple makes and a couple stops? And now your fourth quarter is a lot different. And you can say the same thing about the Pelicans game. I think they went down 23 or something like that to New Orleans. Um, and and it, it, Eric Bledsoe just driving to the basket, getting there, whatever he wanted to. It was just like, it was really deflating because I think going into that game, they were coming off a two-game winning streak, and it was like, what, what's up with this effort? Yeah, they, 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 everything went downhill after that. And Marcus had, I thought, a lot of responsibility there. You know, you had that great hustle play by Peyton Pritchett, and then um, you the jump ball where Marcus Smart throws – it might, might be the dumbest basketball play I've ever seen in my life, where he, for some reason, thought the shot clock was expiring for them. And Chuck's at the end of the court. Pelicans get the ball. They hit a three. Um, and I believe it was Smart's man that he lost. And then the next time down, Smart tries to make up with a, with a fourth three. He misses. Then gets beat on a backdoor layup. So instead of being down two with the ball, you all of a sudden it's, what, eight? Yeah. You know, in a blanket of an eye. And, and, and things just kind of went. Well, the play that pissed me off in that game that really just – put it all together for me it was the, the Celtics had a turnover and it was a a wide open layup for the Pelicans and, and Wagner was the only one who ran back and he sprinted back on the play and the guy missed the layup but the no, Celtics didn't yeah. have one yeah. other guy who passed half court so the the Pelicans ended up getting a guy to follow it up and put it in I was just thinking to myself they don't give a shit that's like just simple right there that and it the effort that entire half just called it just came came to a point right there in the Brad called yeah, a timeout. It all, it all felt, but out of that timeout, it all, I, I don't know what he said to them. That's when the Celtics started going on their run. It shows like the the lack of mental toughness. That's why I'm a, having a hard time saying they're close to the Eastern Conference championship team because it all once things unraveled with the smart play, they unraveled. As yeah, you know, and, and you just can't – and Brad, I think Danny said it himself, maybe Brad's going to stop pulling his best players sometimes. Um, maybe in that situation, Smart should have just been pulled. You know, yeah, because, he, because – I agree with that because that's not like pulling Jason Tate and, and Jalen Brown and sitting them at the end of the bench. They're superstars. Marcus Smart's just another player. And, and I, I think – Hopefully, we brought up Brown and Tatum. Hopefully, they start to understand right now that we we 
we not everything's falling on you offensively like it did early in the season. You don't have to extend as much energy on every offensive possession that you have been. You can you, you can have yeah. a more balanced attack like you've had in past years. And well, I think. And by the way, know, they, defense was phenomenal tonight. Phenomenal. It was. Yeah. And not just that, the two of them looked happy out there these yes. last two games with the way they were moving the ball. Um, I, I think there's something to it, to it with the um, rhythm that Brown and Fournier have together out there. And I don't think Fournier is a better player than Gordon Hayward was. No. Um, but, but part of this is being on the floor. Part of this is being on the floor. Yeah. He may be a better scorer when he's hot than Gordon Hayward was. But he can't move the ball like Hayward. He can't defend like Hayward. But the other part of it is that that's the frustrating part with the Celtics team is that at full strength now since the deadline, if Romeo stays healthy and, and everybody stays healthy, they do have the talent to beat teams in the East and to make a run at it. But you just can't trust them to do it. And that's what sucks about this season because you don't know what you're going to get from them night to night as far as effort goes. They're really like Jekyll and Hyde. I wouldn't be surprised at all on Tuesday night if they don't show up and they get their ass kicked. Yeah, that that would be the (laughs) These next two games will tell you a lot, I think, um, in terms of how that goes. I mean, this is is as close as they've been all year to full strength. And guys look legitimately healthy out there, too. That's why this is the time for the winning streak right now. There's been times... Although, look, if they lose to the Sixers and play well, I, I'm not going to lose my mind over that. You, you that I want to see them win one of those games, but Sixers are that good right now, and I'm much more locked in than the Celtics are. I, I just even there's been points of this year when guys have played and they clearly haven't been healthy. You could say they were at full strength. They're looking like guys are healthy. They look healthy out there. The way they're moving, this you know, the smart. Um, and that calf injury is a tough injury to come back from. I think we forget that, but he looked quick. He looked quick tonight defensively, and that hasn't been the case. And maybe it's a one night thing. Sometimes that happens. You just have that one night. Maybe Rose wasn't moving as well as he typically does. Maybe, maybe Smart needs to problem. sit on second nights of back to backs. Um, but well, let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. Uh, you know, I, I hope things go right. Um, there's 22 games left. The way their roster is built, you know, they should be uh, 13 and 9 or 14 and 18 the rest of the way. I don't think that's unreasonable. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, even 15 and 7 with this type of talent should be possible they, with this group. The schedule is yeah. not that out. No. They got, they got a lot of games against uh, teams that are in it, like Miami and the Knicks left. You got Cleveland, Chicago still on the schedule. These are beatable teams. Yep. You go into LA, but LeBron and Anthony Davis are not going to play when you're in. You're, LA. you're already done with Milwaukee. You know, you'll be done with the Sixes uh, Tuesday night. Um, you have one more against Brooklyn. And so the top of the East, you're pretty much done with. Your West Coast trip, trip includes the Lakers and um, Denver and Portland. So those yeah. are tough games. Are and you still you have Portland twice on the schedule this year. So. That's your toughest stretch. Yeah. So I. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I um, if if for nothing else, I have Rob Williams. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, another Rob Williams question for you. Do you think he'll develop a three point shot throughout his career? Probably. I think that's the way the game's going. I don't know. I can't stand 
that part of the game with centers shooting threes the way they do now. Um, but I, I'd almost rather him just have like a nice firm jump shot like Kevin Garnett had than, than develop a three-point shot. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, Kevin Garnett, he probably made all the sense of the world for him to step back one foot and and be a good three-point shooter instead of being a 22-foot jump shot shooter for two points. Um, it's the analytics. It's a yeah. fucking nerd part of the game. I don't. I disagree. I, it just makes sense. It's not. It's not nerdy. It just makes sense. It's like you're going to shoot from one foot inside the three instead of one foot behind. Is it like? Uh, it's not that much of a difference. I guess. I don't know. Maybe mentally it is for some players. He owned that shot. It was clearly guys less skilled than him figured it out. Uh, yeah, but not not really though. Can you name? How many centers in the league are shooting better than like 33% from three? I think they're just shooting high volumes of them. And that's why they hit threes now. I, I don't think it's a really big, good part of the game. Like when Joel Embiid shooting threes, I think it's stupid. What's I it? think they're bad shots no matter how open he is every time he shoots it. What's he shooting from three? Yeah, I, thought he was I don't know. A, I thought he was having a good year this year. He might be, yeah. but I still, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think he can get down on the post and score whenever he wants that. And people have like, Said that's like not a good way to run offense. I just don't get it. Right? Yeah, I, I I don't think it's a good way to run offense. Tim Duncan dominated dominated the NBA with never shooting out shooting with three. You know, I, I, the guys are just so much more skilled now, though, and they can shoot further and they can. I bet you there's a lot more center shooting beyond thirty three percent than you think. Hey, a lot more bigs. Yeah. Whether they're considered centers or not, a lot more bigs are shooting better than thirty three percent from. Yeah, out there. I mean, at one point this year, Daniel Tice was hovering around fifty percent. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I, I like the game better. I think I like it more spread out. I, I like the, um, I think it opens up driving lanes more than it ever has before. I think the slow plotting, let's throw it down to the big and and see what happens, is a dinosaur way to play. And when that style, when that doesn't work for you. Typically, those teams have nothing else, you know, and it's caused the Sixers problems. They have not been a good offensive team outside of when they had Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. They have been a bad. We'll see what happens this year. They have been a bad offensive team in the playoffs with the exception of Jimmy Butler. Things bottle up because their point guy can't shoot. I think it's so out of control now, though, that teams wouldn't draft Tim Duncan number one because they would say he doesn't have a three-point shot. Tim Duncan would have a three-point shot in this game. The skills that level that he had, he would absolutely have a three-point shot. He absolutely sure. would. Just like Kevin McHale would. Those guys are too goddamn skilled. The, and that's the, where you would want them? You'd want them standing around the three-point line rather than where they were dominating the game? I'd want them to be able to do both. Yeah, yeah but that makes it really hard to defend. Really hard to defend. I think the game's way better now than when you had Tim Duncan and Patrick Ewing going to the block and offense going around. I think I think the game's way. I think better. the game's better, but I think it's getting out of control. I think every every NBA team's shooting forty something threes a night. Sometimes it's hard to watch. Sometimes it's not fun to watch. Just teams going up and down the court, just chucking up threes, or going with lineups with five small four, four small forwards and a point guard. 
Um, it turn, it's kind of like watching AAU ball sometimes. Right. And some of these teams are really bad and they're, they're doing it. Yeah, well, there's there's too many bad teams and they're tanking right now. But for the most part, I think the skill level is very, very high. And I think, yeah. you, I think and one thing I'd argue, by the way, lot, right? one thing one thing I'd argue, by the way, is that, you know, the Lakers weren't a great three-point shooting team last year. They were a consistent three-point shooting team. And they still won the championship without leaning heavily on the three-point shot. But then, you know, Anthony, Anthony Davis was able to spread the floor, obviously, yeah. by yeah. developing that part of his game. But they were still a defensive first team that had, you know, unskilled bigs that played a role. Um, they shut down Nurkic. I mean, Dwight Howard shut him down last year in the, in the Western Conference Final or held him, held him down. And I, I, I think that style of basketball can still win. I don't think. Yeah, you, if you have two of the top five players in the league in the world, sure. Yeah, or just yeah, one. I, I mean, that's what they. That's what, and they were huge and long, and they did, I mean, it's what the Sixers are trying to emulate this year, without mm-hmm. two of the top five players in the world. I. Yeah, I, I mean. It worked. It worked last year. Um, they still had, uh, you know, they had enough guys. I, I, you're right. It worked for them. But they didn't run their offense through the post. They, they didn't run They didn't run through their offense. They ran their offense through LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis. They didn't play on the post. So it wasn't like they were doing it that way. They they had good bigs that could defend Nurkic and, and and Jokic to some some extent. Jokic still had a halfway decent series against them, but it wasn't like they were depending on Dwight Howard to get points on the block. No. So, yeah, I guess that's what the Sixers are trying to do now with the guys that aren't as talented. You know, who do you think is the favorite right now? The Nets in, right? in the league, yeah, yeah, it would probably have to be the Nets. Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched enough of the Clippers outside of the two games with against the Celtics. Um, I, I, I mean, uh, if the Lakers are healthy, it's going to be them and the Clippers that you'd think, right? I, I, I mean, I'm not a believer in Portland, Portland really doesn't defend anybody, Dallas doesn't defend anybody. Nope. I, I think the Nuggets, you know, the Nuggets got a lot better defensively. By nuggets are interesting. Gordon. I think the Nuggets yeah. are interesting. But they're the Nuggets. They so are. It's, like, it's a hell of a home court advantage because, you know, you're going up to that thin air, mile high. Um, you know, I don't know what they're allowed for crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can, Lakers continue to drop and they can continue to rise in those standings and secure home court, they'll, they'll be tough. They'll, I, I think they'll be tough. And they got skill everywhere. They are loaded skill-wise. Yeah, they're loaded skill-wise, absolutely. Um, you know, the Lakers obviously aren't going to have home court advantage, so that's going to hurt them. Uh, you gotta, you got to think Milwaukee. You just – is it the co- – if, if they don't – if Milwaukee doesn't – Make a run this year. They need a new coach. I agree. Because yeah, Budenholz is good for the regular season. You, you need to, yeah. You know, they have Chris Middleton is one of the most consistent 
shooters in the entire NBA. They just they got a ton of talent on that team. They they're locked in defensively. The Bobby 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 Portis signing obviously is working out great for them. Um, they I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think the Eastern Conference, those top three teams, could be could play with anybody. You know, out west too. I think I think you know if we if we ranked NBA teams right now and just have one conference, um, the Philly, Milwaukee, and, and Brooklyn are right at the top with me with anybody else. So let me ask you something: Who is Milwaukee? You know, a Milwaukee and Nets matchup. Who has a harder time defending the yard? I guess is it the the Bucks because Brooklyn's so talented offensively, or is it the Nets because they're so piss poor defensively? Even though they've gotten better, they're not good. Well, I don't. I don't think Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge are even better defensively. No. Um, I, I I think I think that Brooklyn consistently put so much pressure on you um, that I, I think that answers my question. But um, if you can figure out a way, if you can figure out a way to keep Kyrie Irving and Harden out of the pain, um, you get, you could beat them. Well, I, I think that would be the key. You're going to keep those two out of the pain. I guess what I would think if I'm the Bucks going into that is I would put Drew Holiday on Kyrie. Well, yeah. Drew Holiday might be the best defensive guy in the league. Uh, I tell Giannis he's going one-on-one against Durant. And I would trap the shit out of Harden. Mm-hmm. Every time he touched the ball, it, it would just, I would throw, I'd throw traps and I'd say, um, you know, let the other guys, and I know they're all good shooters, but let them beat me over seven games. You know, let's see if they can consistently hit shots in the playoffs over seven games. That, that's how I think I would I would play them. Um, whereas I don't think the Nets' best players match up against the Bucks' best players uh, defensively well at all. Yeah, no, I don't think they do either. Um, and, and they're not as potent, obviously. Um, I, I just, I, I, I would give Brooklyn the edge in the series. I don't think it's a slam dunk. Yeah, the other reason I'd give Brooklyn the edge in the series is because Kevin Durant and Kyrie have done it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Milwaukee team hasn't even come close. And another thing to think about, though, with that, uh, taking the other side of the coin, there's injury history with um, Durant and Kyrie. And we're playing mm-hmm. a shortened season and they both miss games. And you're going to, you're going to, you go into this playoffs and it's going to be the most extended basketball they've played in two years. Yeah. So obviously hopefully, sit they play, hopefully they play healthy and hopefully they stay healthy, but the guys with lower leg injuries, when they get older, they typically have lower leg injuries again. Yeah. You know, so, um, I, I think it'll be an interesting playoffs. Um, you know, part of me, if I was going to match up defensively, defensively yeah. it's it's not perfect. Who does match up defensively against Brooklyn? Though, I think it's Philly, because you can put Ben Simmons almost on anybody and count on him to put 
put a lot of pressure on him. The Thibel can play 30 minutes a game, um, and, and he can cover anybody as well. You have two shutdown defenders. I, I, I think so. I think what's the difference between the Milwaukee and uh, Philly, though, is their two best defenders can't shoot. So when you talk about Milwaukee, Middleton's a really good defender, and Jewel Holiday's an excellent defender. They, they're not liabilities at all. Not that Simmons is, but he is in the playoffs. He's become a real liability in the playoffs in the past. Those guys. Yeah, are- and well, in the past, he's only been, he's only played in one playoffs, right? No, he's played, he's played in two. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, he lost to Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah. He was great in that series, though. Was he? I, I don't. Okay, maybe he was. Okay. Yeah, um, and they they have added. Curry and, and Danny Green, they have some shooters on that team. Yeah. Milton, Milton too. Uh, yeah, I think the East is the East is interesting. They got some really good teams this year. Um, I don't think the West is as interesting as it is in past years. I, um, I yeah, think it's the LA, it's the LA teams, and they look. Chris Paul's. A, I love Chris Paul. Everybody loves Chris Paul. It's leadership, but he's going to choke in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I just don't think they have enough around them, around Booker and Paul. You know, they got some nice plays. He had the possession in Game 7 against Houston last year and passed up the shot to Lou Dort. Yep. Yeah, he did. Yep. Um, all right, well, since we brought up the Suns, let's let's end this with um, a Rob Williams tie-in since we spoke so much. Rob Williams was taken number 28 in the draft. Uh, Aiton was taken. Was he first for the Suns? Was that the same draft? I think, well... Was that the Luka draft? Because Aiton was drafted over Luka. Who would you rather have right now? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you want to <laughs> Just go <laughs> forward. It's, a, it's, it's pretty close. Is it? Yeah. Pretty close. I think it is. You know, over the course of the career, you would see, you would say Aiton. But um, I think right now it's pretty close. I, I am high on this kid. I am really – I wish, it, you know, it's not a, the premier position in the league, so how much this helps the Celtics going forward is, de, you know, debatable, but it, it helps them enough. So, um, yeah, we'll end on Rob Williams as, you know, potentially being Danny Ainge's best draft pick that he's had. You know, when you look at where he's taken him in the draft and what he could Tough to argue over Jalen Brown at three. Jalen's great at three. Tatum's great at three. But I think Rosier at like 17. I think I think Williams is going to be more impactful for the Celtics in his career than Rosier was. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, we're going to call this Rob Williams pod because I don't know what the Celtics hey, King of the fourth pod. Like. The king of the fourth quarter is first game is tomorrow night. Pelicans right. play tomorrow. I love him, but I, I'm, I'm almost wondering if we got to change this to the time load pod. No. <laughs> I can't change the name of our pod. The twelve yeah. listeners that we have would be gone. Yeah, I, we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that next time because he is the reason to tune in right now. Hopefully, the Celtics become the reason, but he's my reason to tune in right now. Uh-huh. All right, well, Mike. Uh, I don't know if this was a good episode or not. We went off the rails quite a bit, but um, 
as always, it was fun. And um, hey, our next part should be after the next game. Yeah, let's do it. So that's Wednesday night. Yep. All right. I'll see. All right. Good night, Tim. Bye, guys.